Hello, I am Cody Ellingham, and this is the Transformation of Value podcast. Today, I talk with Dash, a Bitcoiner based in Japan. Dash is part of the Tokyo Citadel group, who I was able to meet when I was traveling through Japan recently. My impression from the Tokyo Citadel was that there was a real interest in privacy, security, and the potential threats that Bitcoiners personally face from the nation state. Now, this is not unfounded, and we have seen people being detained over things like coin joins and through chain analysis. But I wanted to understand this perspective more and compare it with the situation in New Zealand. Importantly, we talk about how freedom tech, including Bitcoin, can help alleviate some of these risks, and I think there is a lot we can learn here. If you want to get in touch with me, please send an email to hello at the transformation of value.com and I will get back to you. I do hope you enjoy this episode. If you would like to support the show, please consider leaving a review or streaming some Satoshis via your favorite podcasting 2.0 platform, such as Fountain or Breeze. Otherwise, on to the show. Yeah, early start for me. Early bird gets the worm, so. Yeah. Have you always been an early riser? Um, yeah, I guess like having kids help with that, because <laughs> you kind of don't have any choice. Yes. Um, so I think I changed over the years. Before we get started, I just wanted to let you know, you asked me about the power cable thing. Um, yes. Uh, it is, uh, this won't make sense to anyone else, but it is, the connector is shaved down. So oh, okay. That's good. It, I guess that's good news. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, I, I wonder if yours went through a similar process. You were saying it took four days to auto-tune. I wonder yeah. if it was because the boss miner kept re- restarting. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's ancient technology at this point, the S9. Um, right. But I ended up, as I said, like, just you know setting setting the the voltage and um yes frequency that i wanted and it just kind of meant because when it's um when it's uh doing the auto tuning it, it runs it like it ramps up to 100 yes. percent for each chip and it was just a bit annoying because i got it sitting right next to me um yeah no I, I get it i mean it's a lot better than the stock fans when the stock fans go to 100 they it really does sound like a jet engine and so when it's doing the auto tuning it does that yeah. and so I, I had to be mindful of when i plugged them in because you know in japan um you, you're not supposed to make noise around after certain times or before before certain times and, and it would be loud enough to disrupt you know uh upset the neighbors so but but these these new fans are, are um, so much better i mean yeah, even at 100 you can barely notice them yeah the fantics are pretty good and um yeah. you probably find you can run them at 70 percent easily depending on yeah. how hot, hot it is but yeah i think um if you, i've had a look and what what um the one i've got is is it's got the fan and then the cable goes to an extension cable and then the, yes. the extension cable has been shaved off so i think by default yeah. they have the two little um ridges that align it with the the pins on the board of like a normal computer yeah, it's weird that they don't i, I wonder if the um they don't uh, want you using I th- yeah i think it's yeah. proprietary right the the s9 is probably proprietary well it's probably we also oh sorry I was going to say it kind of makes sense because, to be honest, you are taking a risk by not using the stock fans. I think, um, as as quiet as the those ones are, they it would be dangerous if you were. I think maxing if you were, if if you weren't underclocking, it would probably be dangerous to use those. Oh, fans. and absolutely, and I think probably the other thing is if you were to use just normal computer fans because those Fantechs are like, you know, high high performance fans. But if you're using just you know ten dollar one twenty mil computer fans that's definitely going to overheat so absolutely you need the airflow so i think that's kind of like a safety measure as well like mm, if you think mm. that you can just use any old fan it's going to not let you plug it in um, well like, like like all the best proprietary centralized permission technology it's it, we, <laughs> it aims to protect right or at least that's what the uh 
that's what people put forward as the reason to to do it but yeah. um yeah yeah no, that, sure that's... We'll, get, we'll get into that yeah, that, that, that's good. I mean, that's a good segue into sort of some of the things that I reached out to you about. Um, uh, as, you know, I, I was in, um, you're based in Japan and I, I was over there uh, the other month and it was great to catch up and talk in person. But really what stood out to me was just the level of sophistication and understanding on the privacy, security and surveillance front that a lot of the Bitcoiners in Japan had, which mm. though, I, I mean, that, that does exist here in New Zealand. I think there was an awareness of that as I mentioned to you, I felt like there was almost a degree of naivety, just you know, being a smaller country, being um, a little bit more closer, closer connected, uh, uh, you know, socially. Um, I wasn't aware of just sort of the the level of thought that's gone into, I guess, that that approach to, um, to, to yeah, to the relationship with 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 power at a high level. And so, I guess I, I don't know where we start with this, but your thoughts on on that generally if, if that's enough to go on yeah that's the great start so i would say for everyone it's a journey right so it's so for, so for me personally uh, i'll speak about my personal journey and then maybe i can try and speak to the group as, as best i can but um for, for me prior to sort of covid or prior to finding bitcoin and definitely prior to covid like i was i was just a typical mpc i would i would say right so i, I didn't think about these things at all i trusted the government at least i trusted the government in japan um i trusted big tech so i trusted google apple um especially those two you know and I, I believe google when they say don't don't do evil i believed in the, in america um you know i believed in the kind of hollywood i guess proper what i consider now propaganda that america was this beacon of freedom i believed in democracy uh the the rules-based international order you know, the just the I thought the American hegemon was a good thing. Um, the sort of Pax Americana, I thought the Americans were the good guys. You know, all that typical just MPC stuff. And then once I found Bitcoin, then 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 I started to go down the rabbit hole. But it it wasn't something that just happened overnight, right? So it's just it's a whole journey you go through. Where at first you're like, okay, this is this is kind of cool because you know it's num number go up and I'm going to get rich, and you're just thinking in dollar terms. And then you you sort of you you, you watch more podcasts and you you think about, um, especially the more well informed podcasts. Right, the um, Andreas Antonopoulos, for example, gave some really good talks in the early days about, you know, and it wasn't just about Bitcoin. It was the problem that Bitcoin was 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 there to solve, um, which was which was really the the corrupt current system right especially the sort of central banks um the money the fiat money system and how that was broken and i had never considered that prior to finding bitcoin but finding bitcoin and then going down that rabbit hole and listening to people like andreas talk on it i, I suddenly realized well that that's right and then and then a lot of things started to make sense around me right like the appreciation of house prices um you know the stock market only ever going up um you know people's people's lifestyles not not seeming quite as good as what our parents were um this gradual erosion in people's lifestyles and and so you start seeing okay i see so there's there's a systematic issue here and you start becoming aware of that and so then you start thinking oh well, bitcoin's a nice hedge then great you know so i'll just i'll just you know it's the typical well five percent of your portfolio and then you know if 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 the worst thing happens and there's a collapse in the financial system you know i'll, I'll kind of be protected um through that process via my bitcoin right and so you kind of 
you're kind of sitting smug there, but then you start thinking a little bit more and you start digging into the history, especially, and see, maybe you start listening to the likes of Matt O'Dell and they'll be bringing up things like, okay, well, what about executive order 6102? And you're like, what, what's executive order 6102? And you, and you go and read into that and, you know, for, for the benefit of people who maybe haven't heard of that. And, and there's no shame in not, not knowing about it because they don't teach it in schools. Um, that was when the, in the, in the U S the land of the free in, I think it was 1933. It was around that time. Uh, President Roosevelt um, outlawed for U S citizens to privately own gold. Right. So there was some exceptions like, you know, wedding rings, things like that were fine. I think that up to a certain amount of, you, you could keep it for, for, you know, for jewelry or whatever, but you could not store your wealth in gold. If you had gold, you were, you had, you, by, by order of the president, executive order of the president, you had to go and, and hand that in to the authorities. If you didn't, you risked fines and uh, jail time. And you're like, you know, that for me was the, I guess the red pill, right? When, as soon as I learned about executive order 6102 in, what I had thought this this beacon of freedom, this beacon of you know hope for humanity, and yet they had done this, um, and then I realized, well, hang on, <laughs> what's going to happen is I, maybe I'm going to be smart here. Maybe I'm going to invest in in Bitcoin. I'm going to have this hedge. Um, I, I see what's coming, but all that I'm doing is essentially putting these coins on it's it's the, the country considers those on as part of their balance sheet. The country considers the citizens. You know, they're there to be taxed or to have their wealth seized if the country needs that that wealth. And 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 you can find obviously there's there's a number these executive order sixty one or two is the most salient for me, but there are a number of incidences of this in, in history when when you really start digging into things. And so, you know, then you go down the whole okay, long term debt cycle, um uh, rabbit hole and you, you you know you look into uh, you know you maybe you read Ray Dalio's books right or you you know you, you could even go back as far as, as the Bible and look at how okay it's interesting how they had um, they dedicated space in the Bible to write about debt jubilees right in the in the Old Testament you realize this is a very old thing um, and so that whole process uh, then took me to thinking okay well you know th this it's a pretty dire situation. Um, uh, but okay, so what what can I do? And and it, one one guy, uh, you know, I've mentioned him already, but I'll, I'll give another shout out to is uh, Matt O'Dell. Um, of uh, he has a podcast called Citadel Dispatch, and he's one he's really informed my thinking on a lot of these things. But the great thing about Matt O'Dell is he's kind of a, a white white pilling guy in that he tries to focus on what can we do and what's what's actionable, what's practical, how can we protect ourselves. Um, and so you know, I've started following a lot of his advice, and and uh, you know what he puts forward as um, the answer here is really just private, like privacy, it's better privacy. Um, it's using uh, freedom tools. Um, we can get into what those freedom tools are, but you know, Bitcoin is an example of a tool which um, is, is a freedom tool because you know, it's, it's um, decentralized, it's open source, um, anybody can download Bitcoin Core and run a node and validate their own uh, UTXOs and transactions. Um, and you know, it's just, it's taking small steps every day because um, it's, it's, a, it's a hugely overwhelming thing, right? When you're going from being an NPC to just giving all your data to Google and not thinking about privacy to then realizing how what a dire situation you are in to then trying to improve your situation, that's, it's daunting. But if you just take that um, as one step at a time, you say, okay, well, I'm going to set up a Bitcoin full node. That's, you know, that's my work for this month. And then maybe next month I'll look into moving from Gmail to I'll, I'll try and use proton mail right and so that's that's me me as an individual take, take taking that journey and that journey's been 
it's probably been like a three, four year journey. And it's, it was greatly accelerated by during the COVID. Um, I mean, I, I call it the COVID, you know, the uh, hysteria. So you can probably tell my politics just from the way I talk about it. But, um, you know, I feel like that was an example of egregious government overreach. I feel like a lot of the things we'll probably be talking about on this show, things like CBDCs, digital IDs, um, sub- mass surveillance, panopticon surveillance, really came to the surface during the the COVID thing. I mean, they, they were always, always there. In fact, if you read some of the, you know, the, the cyberpunk literature from the 80s they were warning exactly about the things that we saw in cases it's not not a new thing i mean people who were awake saw this coming a long time ago but for i think for people like me who had been asleep and had been you know just npcs it was just it just became obvious you just couldn't ignore it during covid and and that's so yeah and and that that accelerated my journey and, and here we are today right but i feel like the people in the group in you know so it's the citadel we call it the you know tokyo citadel They've gone all on a, a similar journey, very similar people, similar backgrounds. Um, and I, yeah, I think COVID for a lot of people was really just what validated maybe, maybe, maybe I mean, several people in the group weren't as naive as me going into that time period, right? But it, but for them, it validated their ideas and their thinking. Um, and so we've, we've all sort of converged around this idea that, you know, to, to survive going forward, uh, to thrive and survive, we have to be mindful of these threats, the encroachment of government, um, the threats of surveillance, and we have to take, you know, take self-responsibility to educate ourselves, use the tools, um, and, um, and 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 the only real fight, the only real weapon we have in this fight, because the government has all the guns, especially in Japan, maybe not in America, but in Japan, um, you know, we, 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 we the the only thing we have is our is our privacy. Right. And, and as much as we can protect our own our own data, what the government knows about us, that's something that we can kind of control. Um, we, we have to control. And it's really the only thing, the, on, the only thing we've got in this fight. So that's that's what I've been dedicating all, all of my time and attention to in, in recent yeah. times. Thank you for that. Um, that's definitely uh, raised a few questions. I've just made some notes here. You talk about executive order 6102. And it's interesting because, as you say, historically, um, America has this image of freedom, um, personal rights, civil rights, these kinds of things. Um, and if you go back to the the old days, you look at people like Henry Thoreau, who wrote uh, Walden, a classic story of a man who just wants to be left alone in his cabin in the woods and his, his stance against taxes and kind of what he saw as quite an unjust system. Uh, at that time, you know, which was very mild compared to what the reality is today in the United States. Um, in terms of just the amount of government overreach, you know, he was, you know, protesting, you know, small, you know, very small taxes um, at the time, uh, but they seemed large at the time, but compared to what what, the the intrusion that you see today, um, it's really quite a marked difference. And if you look at even the the American Revolution, um, taxation without representation, these kinds of ideas, the, the, the numbers that they were getting taxed on minuscule compared to really what what is what is normalized today and even in new zealand japan you know the idea of a consumption tax which is literally every single thing that you ever consume has a 15 percent tariff slapped on it by the government who has no say or no no hand in creating that as good good or service yet that somehow deems itself worthy to get that tax i mean that's a question that's been it's it's a thing that has slowly emerged and it's a very hard to roll it back and so we started off with 
uh, 10%, then it quickly became 12.5%, and then it's, now it's 15%. And it's the same in Japan. You had, uh, it was 8%, and then, then 10%, and it continues to go up. And it's this kind of abuse of power, which I think, when, as you say, when you're naive, when you're in that NPC state, it's um, it's kind of acceptable. You you kind of just run with it. But it's only when that takes a turn for the worse that you sort of st- take a step back and think, wow, what have we created here? What What's going on? Um, and so we're seeing that in New Zealand, we've seen that in Japan, and of course the United States, other places. Um, and it's it seems to be just increasing uh, ever since COVID, uh, this this kind of panopticon needs to talk about. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely alarming. It's hugely alarming. And, and as you say, it's only going one way. Um, government only ever grows. I mean, and, and, and once you've been in, you know, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in the corporate world, but I mean, a, a big corporation's similar to a government in that, um, you know, you, if, if you're not growing, you're, you're declining, right? And that's the same. The incentives are the same for the government. I mean, they, they want, you know, if you, if you run a department, you want, to, you want to have, you know, more people in your department. You, you want to grow. You want to have a higher budget. Um, and you know, to justify these budgets, there's um, or, or to fund these budgets, the, the you need higher tax, uh, either uh, explicitly through, as you say, things like consumption tax, uh, income tax, or more perniciously, inflation. you know, I would argue, yeah, yeah, the 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 stealth tax of inflation, and you know, and <laughs> and you, you probably noticed. I mean, what another? I guess a little bit of a red pill for me as well was the whole MMT thing. I don't know if you remember this a few years ago when the uh, mainstream economists, I believe they're mainstream economists, where they were coming out and saying deficits didn't matter, or at least there was there were there were there were people who were publishing books to great acclaim, um, and they weren't being ridiculed in the mainstream media, um, saying saying that. And as you know, as long as as long as you issued currency and you, um, sorry, debt in your own currency, you could issue as much as you want. And that that is is preposterous. And just from first principles, just any you know anybody thinking things from first principles would know that. But um, you know that 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 became normalized, right? And so this whole stealth tax um, that it that is inflation is you know com- completely you know normalized it's 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 even put forward as some some sort of good thing some sort of you know they even tie it to these these ideas around equity or equality or fairness this idea that the government can just print money and then and then distribute it to people in need and you know unfortunately a lot of a lot of the population buys it right and and that's what we saw during covid you know you would have thought the more preposterous things like the mask wearing you know the kind of vac- uh, vaccine uh, mandates, you would have thought there'd be pushback from like 90% of the population, but there wasn't, right? And in fact, I would say the majority of the population in Japan and in uh, well, the UK and the US that I was, I was following were, were pro um, mandates, and they were same yeah. in New Zealand, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so um, mass hysteria. <laughs> yeah, and pe- people were afraid, and I get that, but you know, at some and at some point you have to you have to say, well, this it's not efficacious. The vaccine wasn't efficacious. The mask wearing wasn't efficacious. But unfortunately, it became somewhat of a of a religious thing, right? Um, and people were kind of, I think people would see that there's there's kind of a culture war going on, and they want to pick a side. And you know, there's 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 a side which says, um, I, I you know maybe maybe it's more for individual sovereignty. And people making their own decisions, and there's a side which says that that believes in the kind of I would I would call it the Hollywood propaganda that the West, the you know the American-led 
rules-based international order is a force for good, democracy is a good thing, you know, we should, and, and so these collectivist acts are, you know, the, the best way forward. Um, and, and unfortunately, yeah, that the majority of the people, it seems, believe that, right? And, that, and that's yeah. what, and as we saw with the presidential election, you only need, I mean, you only need sort of, or, you know, any popular vote, you only need 51% of the votes. Um, and, and, yeah. And, 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 well, yeah. There's a couple of things there. So you talk about MMT, so it's what, modern monetary theory? Is it? Correct. Yeah. And, and I remember hearing sort of a, a, a story about that, what that means in practice as a, well, you know, it's a theory, but what, what that what that, that would translate to, which is that if you go to pay your taxes under the system, you know, if you were to try and pay your, your taxes in, in cash, effectively, you know, you, you could hand over that cash to pay that tax bill and then immediately that money would get burnt out the back and, and just d- deleted because it's not the tax income, the tax revenue that's actually paying for the government's um expenditure it's the new money printing and the tax is a way of almost putting the brakes and kind of you know we they increase the tax and they they can kind of pump the brakes on the money that's sloshing around the economy but it's not actually that tax take that is what's paying for things and it's the printing that's paying for things is is that is that correct so i I mean i can speak to japan uh, because i have the data on that i know that 30 percent of the budget is currently funded by issuing new debt Mm. So the tax is only covering two thirds. Yeah, um, I, th- I believe the figure is similar in the states. I know that the 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 um, debt issuance to G- GDP is roughly the same between the US and Japan. I think it's about eight percent. So it it may be that they have a similar. I haven't done the math to see if it's what percentage of the budget actually is, but it's it's something similar. But on on that note, though, like it, there isn't a function. I mean, my my understanding of it, which again is sort of apocryphal, but my understanding was that. The money gets, you know, collected for tax, but it, there's not nece- necessarily a transfer of that money. It's not like, well, we, you know, here's our, our bank account, and then we're going to move it and then start spending from that bank account. Like the, I mean, at least even in New Zealand, I mean, the 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 the, the IRD, like the you know the inland revenue department, has a bank account that they the money goes into, but that's not the same money if you were somehow to. Um, you know, f- fungibly, you know, non-fungibly identify every dollar. Those are not the dollars that are then going out and being spent on hos- hospitals and schools. There's like this, you know, it's like a, 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 it's not a, a circle. It's not a circular economy yeah. in that sense. Um, so my my understanding is a bit is a bit more naive, perhaps that um, they, they are. I mean, so the, the government has a budget. Um, in in Japan, they they say that you know two thirds of that is covered by the tax base. I I am assuming that the tax dot uh, oh yen sorry in Japan go go somehow to then you know the government government budgets. I but you know to your point, there is there's a serious lack of transparency to this process, right? So. Is that is that actually the case? I don't know. I mean, and, and all, all of the data I'm getting, I'm getting from mainstream sources generally. I'll get it from the Nikkei Shimbun, which is it's the largest um, business newspaper here in Japan. I mean, I, I trust it, but now you mention it, right? It's like, well, how, how does that how does that work? So, um, but I mean, more, more to the point, and I think one thing that to me destroys the MMT argument, right, is that, you know, they say, okay, deficits don't matter. Great. Well, let's let's run with that. Deficits don't matter. So why do I have to pay taxes then? <laughs> you know, it's like why don't you just print 
Uh, so you say well, one third of the budget's covered by issuing new debt. Why don't we just cover one hundred percent of yeah. the budget with new debt? And and that's a redu reductio ad absurdum, right? Because okay, if they say, well, that's preposterous, I say, okay, well, what? Where do you draw the line then? Is thirty one percent acceptable? Is thirty five, forty? But they I, can't give you an answer to that. I think the MMT. This is something I, I definitely would need to learn more about, and uh, would be keen to talk to someone about because I I think there is certainly a it's almost an ideology that goes into it. As I said, it's like. My, this, this apocryphal story that I, I heard was just sort of this idea that it's, it's more like you think of it like a brake pedal. It's that the money doesn't, it's not the fuel going back into the car. You know, it's, it's, it's the brake pedal trying to slow the car down. And so, yeah, as you say, why, why is it that individuals are paying a, a tax rate of 20, 30% or whatever it averages out to be? Whereas you've got, you know, top echelon companies who are able to squirrel away their money and banks and stuff who can structure it in such a way that they're not liable for that same tax take. Um, and it's like some people know how to drive the car, some people don't, and the car itself is, you know, it's not equal for everyone. Um, so yeah, definitely, uh, I think it's going a bit beyond my my knowledge of this this uh, theory, but I, I would like to explore more. Um, but another thing you mentioned uh, going back to the beginning was we've got this executive order, this kind of confiscation, um, and you know how this relates to Bitcoin because you're right, you know naively buying Bitcoin on an exchange, um, holding it on exchange straight away, bad idea, get your coins off the, off the exchange. But even the, the act of buying through a centralized exchange that is a regulated entity, they now know exactly what Bitcoin you've got. They can see it on chain unless you've got a, you know, a coin join set up or something going. But it's kind of too late at that point because you've got your money, you know, your, your, your coins have gone through their system. They know exactly how much you've ever brought. Uh, and, even though we we laugh about the boating accident thing, it's really not necessarily going to help you if they come for you. They know what you've brought. They know what you're holding. Um, and that kind of creates some questions around, well, I know with the um, the executive order 6102, there was cases where uh, safe, safety deposit boxes and banks were being raided and basically opened and the gold confiscated without people even knowing. Um, there was a lot of you know stuff like that happening, which, you know, Obviously, you can't confiscate Bitcoin straight away, but you can go around to people's houses and and, and get in touch with them, you know, and and that sort of um, presents some real challenges. So, what are your thoughts on that? Well, this this is the heart of the matter, right? This is really important to talk about. And so, yeah, I mean, pe people at the beginning of the of the Bitcoin journey, and we all make the same mistakes. There's absolutely no shame to this. But what's the first thing you do? You go to Coinbase and you you open up a Coinbase account, and as you said, that's a regulated entity. Um, they require you to submit your KYC, know your customer information. That's typically a passport or, or you know, some, some sort of government-issued ID. And as you said, everything you do now on Coinbase is, tr is, is connected to your uh, personal identity, your government name. So... Uh, if that you know, you you can do all the right things, right? You can, yeah. You know, I'm 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 not going to buy shit coins. I'm only going to buy Bitcoin. Number one, that's the first thing you should do. Second thing, you know, I'm going to take uh, custody. I'm going to hold my own keys. Okay, great. I'm going to run my own node. Great. I'm going to coin join, and uh, I'm going to break the deterministic links. Great. You've got forward privacy. Um, all 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 good stuff. But the problem is, you're on a list now. You're on a list, and that list, you're on that list forever. Okay, and and that's and that's with your your own government. Um, whenever they need that information, um, they can get it. Uh, then your name, your address, exactly how many, much Bitcoin you bought, um, what you did with it after you withdrew it, um, to to some extent, right? Um, and as you say, the 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 boating accident. It's a funny meme, but 
um, you know, mo most people severely overestimate their ability to to stand up to any kind of questioning or you know all the all the government most people two two days without you know sleep um you know in in custody and un, un, being uncomfortable would be enough to cough up the private keys right that's just the reality in japan i know um being detained um was it up to 24 hours or over 24 hours without charges right you can be questioned in japan um, it's 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 ridiculous yeah. uh, actually so i mean we learned that through the carlos Ghosn um thing if you remember that but they essentially they can hold you indefinitely in japan so that um, was the the nissan executive yes. so a french french libyan born i think it was executive for nissan motors um and there was some scandal sort of financial scandal some sort of internal dealings he got dobbed in and he got held so, for weeks days weeks oh months months so yeah. So, and he, and the only reason he's he's free, quote unquote, free now, is because he escaped. Um, he, I mean, he would have been he would have been in custody um, for probably around two years prior to his trial. So he, he had been charged at that point. But um, so, yeah, I mean, essentially, the authorities can hold you as long as long as they want, at least in Japan. But I believe this is very similar. I mean, I I, I dug into this a little bit because um uh of the carlos Ghosn thing and I, I realized it's actually very similar in france it was similar i know they've got similar laws in the uk i believe and also in the in the us uh the us actually there's somebody and i forget the name it's uh, i think his name is roman but he's 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 in custody right now um I, th I believe he's a swedish citizen and he was arrested on arrival in 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 the us because get this chain analysis had determined that he was involved in some sort of coin mixing service based on his utxo history and the that was enough for the U.S. Um, to arrest uh, officials, the authorities to arrest him and imprison him. He's still in prison now. You can look it up. There's a, there's an episode on Citadel Dispatch covering this. Um, and so you know, it's it's this is not a, a problem unique to Japan. Is what I'm trying to say. Well, even Ju Julian Assange. I mean, he was yeah. he was held in the U.K. Um, for for a little for a long time, right? And that was like. There, it was nothing to do with the UK either. It was it was a totally the Americans who were pushing for that, um, and that's you know an egregious uh, violation of human rights. Yet that's, there's not really much being said about it um, in the in the mass media uh, anyway. C correct, and and a lot of people are going to be listening to this and say, well, I'm not a whistleblower, or you know, um, I'm not a, you know a multimillionaire CEO of a, a company, and yeah, fine. But think think about, I mean, just going forward. What a dire situation the states of the world are in, in terms of the debt burden. So the J Japanese debt to GDP is something like it's. I, I, I stopped counting at two hundred and fifty percent, right? But it's 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 ludicrous. It's not sustainable. The the state the, these states are effectively bankrupt, and they're going to be in a dire situation. They're going to need to pay for their military, for their police force, um, and they, they're going to take desperate measures to do that. And and if if the money printer stops working um you know um yeah or, or if we like a lot of bitcoiners are kind of hoping for hyper bitcoinization but um you've got to be careful what you wish for because if bitcoin does become for example um so i would i would argue for hyper bitcoinization to take place that you would need to have energy priced in bitcoin so you would need you know your oil 
uh, global oil to be to be priced in Bitcoin, or at least to be able to transact using Bitcoin. Now, that would be incredibly bullish for price action. But on the other hand, I don't think that would be bullish for freedom because all of a sudden it is a, a it is a strategic imperative for every single nation state to have as much Bitcoin as it possibly can have to have Bitcoin in its treasury. And again, a lot of like the NGU number go up, like Twitter influences would be tweeting about that saying it's a great thing. Not necessarily, right? Because now all of a sudden, your interests and the state's interests are not a, not necessarily in, a, in alignment. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe they're looking at your Bitcoin like that's what. And 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 think think about what an easy argument it would be, right? Because most of the population, unfortunately, does not own Bitcoin, so they would just be able to come out and say, "Look, this is a strategic initiative. This is needed for the nation. Uh, these these Bitcoiners have caused uh, um, the instability in the in the financial system. They've caused this hyperinflation. We need to seize this. We need to put it on the corporate. Uh, sorry, not the corporate. The 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 national tra- in in the national treasury for the sake of the nation for the sake of the people and it would be so easy i mean forget 51 percent you'd 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 get 70 80 percent i'm sure backing you in in this initiative so how how hard would it be to then get these lists from coinbase and then just and then just detain people and you don't and and seriously just uh, deprive them from sleep for for a couple of days um probably 70 80 percent of them would break within that time and and give their private keys so this is I, i don't think this is like a an, an, an unbelievable scenario, right? Uh, I feel like this is coming. There, there is historical analogies as well. I mean, if you look at um, pre-war Germany, um, the involvement of companies like IBM and the the list, you know, because that was the first time that you know mechanical computers and and you know really effective, uh, not digital, but you know electronic record keeping in the sense of you know telegraphs and 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 filing um, you know records away of. Jewish business owners and people who who had significant amounts of wealth, you know, when that's handwritten records, that's just a little bit less accessible. But when you've got you know bureaucratic um, departments and you know these machines, these um, you know ticker tape machines, these these typewriters, these um, you know filing systems for actually tracking people, they were able to do that without even you know real digital computers. But now we've got absolutely everything is connected. Um, you know, there's uh, agreements for sharing data between departments and different states. I mean, you can clearly see how they could close the noose. And as you say, there's this threat that um, because Bitcoin doesn't have a huge penetration in terms of the general public, that it could be scapegoated. And we saw that with COVID, you know, the unvaccinated were really highlighted as, um, you know, the enemies of the state and that, and that, you know, you should dot them in and you should avoid them like the plague. And that's what most people did. And I mean, that's a very negative approach. I mean, the, the optimist in me says that maybe the, the wall got pulled over our eyes during COVID and that we wouldn't let that happen again in the immediate future. Um, however, it's, it's, it's impossible to say because when it's something like money that's so dear and there's the threat of poverty, you know, or the, so, you know, the, uh, uh, the 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 impression that there's the threat of poverty that awaits you unless you dob in the guys that you know who've got Bitcoin and you you know you turn on your neighbours and, and your friends and you shun them then it's like you know people can flip flip on a dime and um it, I mean it's it's a scary proposition exactly and you know you you raise a couple of good points there one is the kind of you know the the use of technology by the you know in Nazi Germany to facilitate the you know the tracking of people and ultimately the persecution of, of, of that group of people well imagine what the governments of today can do with the technology yeah, they have now uh, yeah. yeah 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a cam there's a camera on it. I mean, there's a camera on every street corner. They can track you, or even even the, the tracking device you carry around in your pocket, right? Your 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 iPhone or whatever whatever you have um, as a phone. They know where you are, you know, twenty four seven. If if you don't have a phone, they'll use the cameras. Um, and okay, maybe this is benign right now. You know, it's maybe, maybe, maybe it's, maybe it is. Maybe they're not actively trying to track Bitcoiners. But, but as you say, things can turn on a dime. And if you wanted to put that, you know, that, 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 that machinery to work to um, track uh, Bitcoiners and extract the Bitcoin from them, you know, you could very, very easily do that. And you'd have the political will, but you'd also have the ability well, uh, with this technology. A, a couple of things there as well. So um, again, it's early days. And as you say, it's not really in the, the crosshairs of most governments. I think there's, you know, maybe people who are thinking about this and there's kind of murmurings, but it's clearly not um, a focal point. But what we've seen uh, with COVID in particular was that when a government sets its target on something, you know, no matter how much resistance there is, it, it kind of, it's like a, a container ship. It's very hard to turn that boat around. You know, once it's heading in a direction, it's going to go that way. And, and even in New Zealand, it took two, three years to play out. Um, from the beginning to the end, you know, even though really the last years, the last year or two, it was like, man, I, I think the, the glamour had worn off, you know, the mass hysteria came and went, but then the, in the end, it was the government apparatus that kept continuing on and people kind of just grudgingly followed along. So there was this kind of peak hysteria where everyone was was on fear mode and that was the moment when the seed of propaganda, propaganda got placed you know, there was this this kind of box in people's minds that got uh, opened up, and 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 ideas got put in there by, by by the media and the government, and then that kind of went along for a little while, and then towards the end, I think a lot of people kind of had enough, but they didn't even know what to do. They were sort of, it was, yeah, I mean, it was like a analysis paralysis, kind of unable to make a decision, unable to know what your options even are. You know, it's like, how do you resist this? You know, people didn't have the revolutionary kind of knowledge to, to, to even understand what to do because it's not something that you think about every day. Like how do you preserve your freedom? How do you stand up to the government is not something that people practice like they do when it comes to driving a car or, you know, lear learning stuff in school. It's, it's just not a muscle that gets exercised. And in a way, the, the, the freedom tech that we've been talking about, which we'll go into in a bit more detail in a moment, but like that's kind of a way to exercise that muscle to understand that there's this other place that you can stand um, and you can say conduct con communications privately without anyone being able to under you know intercept that be able to do a transaction privately without anyone able to intercept that and even just being aware that that's now a thing that's possible I think is 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 quite quite new for most people um, but then being able to do that securely and actually do that properly is is another level of knowledge so it's like spreading widening the paradigm widening the the understanding of what is possible um is, is really important and and i think government would really like to narrow that focus down and say well you have to follow these channels and this is the way to do it but actually there is many other ways of doing it well well that's that's a great um I feel like it's a great segue into a more positive discussion because we've, we've spoken yes. a lot about the problem and but I mean you've, you've raised some some really good points and I and I and I, feel, I agree with you on that you know yes number one there was no effective opposition to the COVID hysteria because people were out of practice they were too comfortable um, and they had been like frogs in the slowly boiling water um, 100% agree with you number two that um, 
maybe people will be more ready now and that be thanks to the you know people maybe waking up to the problems definitely there's been a trend towards people who have been looking more and more at the freedom tech and thinking about solutions and that is definitely a positive thing i've noticed that myself there's several telegram groups that i'm in for example one, one example you know telegram groups but of people who have you know free thinking people from a, a wide variety of backgrounds like i'm talking about you know i'm talking about presidents of of, of, of companies in, in 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 some telegram chats and and you know um but but all having the similar ideas which is this isn't good um and and, and not only that you know not only is it not good, but most people are kind of kind of certain that there's something else coming down the line soon. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, <laughs> I, I, you know, I mean, let, you know, let, let's keep this fact based and whatever. But, you know, let, well, let's talk about people's concerns, people's concerns about, OK, well, what about what's going to be the next thing? Is it going to be another pandemic? Is it going to be um, something about the, the climate crisis, climate lockdowns? Is it going to be some, some something about cybersecurity? You know, the the these are all genuine maybe concerns that people can have or, or genuine problems that the world faces. But what we saw, what we saw during COVID is how, you know, and, and, and let me be clear, like I'm not denying the existence of COVID, you know, several million people died. It was, a, it was, a, it was a fairly serious um, pandemic, but the, what, what, what my point is, is that the governments of the world use that as an excuse to drive an, an agenda of increasing control, increasing surveillance, um, and so with these other things like cybercrime, like climate change, you know, like um, uh, other, other pandemics, like war, um, you know, obviously, you know, we, we can we can argue as to the extent these are uh, existential threats. Fine. Let's just leave that debate for now. But what, what I what I'm certain of is whatever excuse the government has and they're looking for these excuses because God, because they need an out. Because they know, I mean, these people are not stupid. They know how dire the situation is. They know they're effectively bankrupt. Um, and for the Americans, the petrodollar is an existential um, thing. I mean, for them, if, if that, they, they need all costs, they need the energy to be priced in dollars and the whole world to be forced to buy dollars to keep the whole American racket going. That absolutely has to happen at all costs. Um, and so whatever excuse these people can find to then, okay, we need now to lock you down again. We need now you to register for digital passports. Um, we need you to hand in your Bitcoin um, eventually, right? This they, they, they are going to be looking for these things. And I think there is an, there's an awareness of that. Now to your point, you know, okay, what, what do we do? How do we organize? Now, I, I would argue that, uh, I'd, I'd love to get into this topic with you, but essentially it would be something like um, saving your money in Bitcoin, it, it, um, uh, acquiring that Bitcoin in a KYC free manner. So peer to peer or, you know, using something like uh, Azteco, for example, is, is, is a way that you can buy Bitcoin at a retail outlet, small amounts. Um, but you can do, you know, a monthly DCA or, or whatever, and you can build up your stash over time. But the important thing is only you know that you you have that Bitcoin. Number one, you've got the Bitcoin. Number two, um, you need to be looking at free and open source tools in general. So um, I don't know if you, you know, if you saw, but recently there was a story in, in the news that uh, Apple was actually scanning the files on your computer uh, without, without, no, without you knowing. And it was reporting back to... Uh, the mothership and the reason that was given for this was uh, they were protecting the children right they were they were trying to find um whatever child pornography on people's uh, computers or, or, or what have you um but um you know it doesn't take much of a stretch of imagination to imagine how that could be then 
you know, um, in, implemented to, for example, find out if people had Bitcoin on while it's on their computers, right? So I, I would argue that, you know, don't use um, Apple, don't use uh, Microsoft, um, look, in, look into using Linux, um, look into downloading like, for example, Pop! OS or Ubuntu Linux. These are, these are friend, user-friendly distros you can get. Um, and e e these days, the difference between Apple and my, I would, I would even argue that the Linux experience is better than Apple and Microsoft, right? But the, the advantage of that is you're creating your computing environment, right? So you know that it's not being scanned and, and data isn't being sent back to, you know, corporations or the government. Um, so that's that's number two, I'd say, I'd say really look into the, the, the full stack in terms of free and open source, not just Bitcoin. Um, and then number three, I would say we, we have to look into fl flag theory, right? So uh, flag theory is this idea that you need to, as a, as a sovereign individual, and, and, that, and that's a book, there's a book called Sovereign Individual, which was written by a couple of Brits, I think, were Britain and American in the uh, in the in the 90s, which predicted a lot of what's what's happening today. And it's a it's a, it's a fascinating book to read. But one one of the um, ideas that was that came out of this book is that we should have we should play jurisdictions off against each other, right? Jurisdictional arbitrage. So, for example, if you can get a passport in two, three, or more countries, you should try and do that, right? And then you should open up bank accounts in those uh, countries, um, and you should be you should be ready to move uh, around. Um, and if you do that, you know, if you if you you know if you've got your wealth in Bitcoin, you, your computing environment is, is self sovereign, it's free and open source, and you have the ability to move around to different jurisdictions. I, f I feel like you can protect yourself a lot here because if you if you start to notice things going bad in your country, if you start to notice the signs of hyperinflation, if you start to notice the signs of increasing government overreach, you know, lockdowns, asset seizures, you can opt out with, with, with your feet and with your wealth. You can move to a different jurisdiction. It could be somewhere like El Salvador, for example, which is recently um, uh, or a couple of years ago legalized. Um, you know, Bitcoin is legal currency. Um, and, and, and you can save yourself that way. But I feel like those that kind of those three things for me are the pillars of a uh, freedom and and the sovereign individual going forward yeah that's that's really cool and i think the other thing uh, that i've been thinking about lately you know at the beginning we were just briefly talking about um you know mining you know um playing around with with um asic mining and and what that means and i think there's this window of time that we live in at the moment where anyone can basically jump on the internet and you know order a an S19 or a secondhand S9 or, or what's minor, you know, one of these ASIC machines, the the person on the other end labels them as a micro server and they throw them in a box and they send it to you and no one's the wiser yet that basically that piece of equipment that you, uh, you know, that you're able to receive uh, is effectively uh, a money printer. And it, it isn't really, but it, it, it is, uh, it's, uh, the analogy is, you know, it's 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 uh, it's the printing press, it's the uh, the firearm, it's 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 the you know the one of these revolutionary pieces of technology that if you put it in the hands of everyone, uh, it absolutely changes the game. And you know the fact that you can just buy these things online, I, I don't see governments putting up with that for, for for a long time. You know, I think there will come a point where you can't get that hardware into the country; it gets nationalised. Um, there's a there's a database, there's a registry of ASIC hardware, and you have to register your hardware because you when you have custody of of a miner, even if it's a, a small you know an, an S9, even for example, you're able to make turn electricity into Bitcoin. You're able to DCA in. You spend electricity, you get Bitcoin out. Um, there's no way for that to be controlled. Um, it, it's even less controllable than 
um, peer-to-peer, you know, buying Bitcoin with fiat, like it literally is you're turning electricity into Bitcoin. And there's something extremely revolutionary and empowering about that, where you've gone from a single, the, the, the citadel of the central bank of a country being the, the the one who sets that policy to actually being, you know, running one in your in your backyard or using one to heat your your house in winter. Uh, and there's something so powerful about that idea. Um, I, I can see because it's still, you know, miners are a subset of Bitcoin. You know, I think mining is is, is obviously important, but it's not, you know, not every Bitcoiner is a miner. And so there's even a, a smaller target there, which is easier to focus on. And that could be a point that just gets snubbed out. Um, and so like getting custody of that gear, having it without the government knowing about it is extremely critical at this point. Because who knows when they're going to try? They're going to shut the gates on you importing that gear into the country. I completely agree with you on on those points, and, and they're excellent points. And and there's to me, there's nothing more self-sovereign than mining Bitcoin. It's 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 truly profound. It's beautiful, yeah. It's beautiful, as you yeah. say. Um, and I listen, I listen to the fans sometimes. And yeah, it's I, like... I, well, I was just going to say that. <laughs> so uh, I don't know if we're but we're both crazy or, or, or we're onto something here. But there's a there's a there's a podcast called uh, Stacker News Live, and they have the um, the spinning up of a fan as their kind of intro music into the podcast, and it sounds like it wouldn't work, but I, it's my favorite intro music to any podcast. I I, I love listening to that every week. Um, but yeah, the it, and that's the sound of freedom, right? Because like you say. You can get these devices, and they're just computers, right? With a specific, you know, ASICs um, application-specific integrated circuit. So it's just for mining, or you know, SHA-256 hashing, which happens to be the, you know, the, the algorithm Bitcoin uses to um, secure the, the the network. Um, and you can plug these things in, and and the great thing is um, they're, they're pretty cheap now. So you can get an S S nine for a couple of hundred bucks, um, pr- pretty widely available. Well, even and... even S nineteens, you know, a couple of grand at the moment. They were ten fifteen grand now, yeah. the other year. You know, that's very yeah. accessible, and that that is profitable. Like you can use one of those to make money, even on yeah. pretty high. You know, if you're on residential power rates, you can you can make money off that. Well, yeah. I, so I'm always wary with the make money thing because for me. Like, yeah, it, it, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, people t- yeah, do tend to think like that, but then it's like, well, hang on, are you, are you trying to, when you say make money, you're trying to you make dollars because of the whole point of this revolution is to get away from dollars. Yeah. So, you know, the way Probably, I think of it yeah. is, yeah, well, no, it's, it's fine, but like, w- like waste heat, right? So if you're in a climate where in the winter, for example, it's cold, um, instead of using heat, a space heater, you can plug in a Bitcoin miner and you can modify these things with, um, to, to make the fans quieter. You can use something like Brains OS to underclock the device, which is just a, a, a way of saying to, to use less power, essentially. So, okay, you, you won't be making as much Bitcoin, but the, the thing will be sort of re- at a tolerable sound level, and especially if you put it in like a, a soundproof box. Um, and, and, then, and then the heat it outputs will actually be enough to heat your house. So in actual fact, yeah, I mean, it, you're quote unquote losing money on paper, probably if you sit down and do the math, but this is heat that you would have had to use anyway. And so well, in, in actual yeah. fact, the Bitcoin you get is just is, is all upside. So on the note, sorry, when I, I should, it's a bit of a slip of the tongue, but when I talk about money, of course, I'm talking about Bitcoin. I don't want any of that dirty fiat. Um, but what I'm doing, I think the other way of, of looking at it is as a DCA vehicle, because even if you're negative, as in you're spending more in electricity, quote unquote, than you are in getting, you know, fiat, um, you know, if you were to change that money back, uh, that Bitcoin out into fiat, it doesn't actually matter because you're you're getting it KYC free. And so even if it's twice as expensive, you know, you're putting in two dollars worth of power to get one dollar, quote unquote, out of fiat, or out of, you know, at the, at the other end, 
it does it, it's still a vehicle and so the way the kind of the mental model that i i think of is you, you know you pay you buy the hardware the capex on that machine that's your 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 permit to to then mine bitcoin non-kyc and whether you do it you know a three grand s19 or a 300 s9 or you know whatever the price is um you know you pay that now in fiat to get that gear or you pay it in bitcoin or fiat you get that gear and then you unlock the ability to to mine and to non-k you know non-kyc so obviously if you can heat your house as well that's great but it's like well when when the chips are down and you can't get bitcoin because the exchanges are closed no one's you know no one's taking fiat for it you can still transfer electricity into bitcoin at, at the very least um and there's something uh, there's, there, i think there's like a mental model for looking at that but it basically means that no matter what um it's going to be worthwhile mining and holding on to that gear um uh, even old tech s9s will always be valuable um because you you know at the very least you can use it as a heater um but at the very most you can use it to generate bitcoin that could be very important in the future for you a hundred percent, and it is a mental model, as it, as you're saying. And it, the key is KYC free Bitcoin, as you're saying. Mm. Um, and then the mental model for me is to understand that K- KYC free Bitcoin is more valuable than KYC Bitcoin. I would right. go as far to say, and you can quote me on this: KYC Bitcoin is a shit coin. Okay, and 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 that's my opinion. I'm extreme with that, but you know, there's there's no guarantee that you're going to get those over the line. And when I say over the line, I'm talking about we, we're going to go th- we're going to go through some hard years, I believe, as 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 this you know we we transition from different um, you know systems from the old uh, central banking led you know centralized system which is kind of crumbling to to this new world whatever that's going to be. Yeah. Um. And and so you know you should probably mentally write off the the KYC Bitcoin. In fact, a lot of people advise that you should just sell that back to the exchange, take that money, and then and then and then deploy it into Bitcoin into in a in a KYC free manner. An excellent way to do that, as you say, would to be by by some s19s um because then you can just generate the bitcoin complete in a completely permissionless way as long as you have access to to, to power um so yeah i would i would i would 100 agree with you and then the mental model again is like well what's the pre what's the premium i would argue you know what's what's the value of 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 bitcoin a lot of bitcoiners talk about well it's going to be a, it's going to be a million dollars is it going to be 10 million dollars i mean for me I, I i this is my mental model right so if i'm on the titanic i'm on a lifeboat um, I'm just about to get saved. Uh, Lifeboat's going to be pushed off, and and, and I'll, I'll be saved. I'll survive. And then some someone approaches me who's not on the lifeboat with a suitcase full of cash and says, "Can you can you give me a seat? Um, how how much is his is would it be worth? You know, I'll give you as much as you want. A million, ten million. I'm not going to accept that the paper money because yeah. um, I'm on I'm on the life the life." Boat, right so i i i i am amazed every time i go to for example azteco and I, I i essentially what i do is i turn cash into bitcoin so somebody in the world right is accepting pieces of paper in exchange for the, the for the hardest money mankind has ever known it, it boggles the mind to me that anyone would do that and yet they, they continue to do that um yeah right and so to, to me yeah there's a premium maybe on, on on mining bitcoin especially if you're using an s9 uh, but again if you're using wasted heat and if you do consider as you say that that's kyc free bitcoin that's that's the bitcoin which you're going to get over the line because no nobody knows you have that bitcoin yeah absolutely. and so yeah. you know the, the premium is, is justified in, in in my opinion yeah and, and the other thing um in the sovereign individual they do I, I think they take a bit of a dark tone at the beginning talking about how when governments lose control, you know they they resort to um, you know the old ways. And if you go back, you know there's 
you know, everyone knows about sort of these historical, you know, Tower of London, medieval torture techniques and things. But, you know, the, the, the authors talk a little bit about, well, when, when the chip's down, you know, the smiling, happy, uh, you know, benign government that we thought we had, uh, again, can quickly turn on a dime. And we saw sort of a, a taste of that. You know, I never was really sort of worried about the New Zealand government. I thought, well, they're pretty accessible. You know, the, I know these people, it's a small country, but what they were able to achieve in, in a year, um, you know, basically going from, well, look, it's, you know, just cool. You know, we're going to look after everything. It's going to be all good to actually uh, draconian uh, fascism, you know, with their, their uh, COVID response, you know, really blew my mind. And that's from what, you know, what is supposed to be a relatively easygoing, chill country, you know, so wait until you get a, <laughs> a place that's, you know, not not like that. It, it could be a lot worse. And so coming back to the, to the Bitcoin question, you know, you've got the, you know, they know you've got it. They know where you live. They know who you are. We've just had a census in New Zealand. You know, they, they know everything. Um, it's not really that difficult for them to come after you. And this is a challenge for myself. Obviously, you're you're a privacy um, a privacy guy. You know, this is um, you know pseudonym and stuff that we're, we're talking with. But for me, you know, as a public Bitcoiner, you know, running a podcast, I have to weigh that up. You know, how do I live my life? How do I go about what I'm doing? I, I refuse to live in fear, obviously. Um, and I don't know if from the shadows. I can be as effective as being a public face, but I also put myself out there. And I mean, that's a risk that I've decided to take because I believe in this deeply and I think it's important and it needs human faces, you know, but if I'm the one to get strung up, so be it, you know, that's something I'll stoically accept, but I'll do my best to make sure that doesn't happen. But it is, I mean, it is a challenge, you know, to think about what my role in, in that is as well. It's trade-offs, right? And and you'll hear that you'll hear that word a lot in when people talk about privacy. Um, and you know, I completely agree with you that you know, that's a decision every individual has to make. You're a public Bitcoiner. Um, that could work in your favor as well. If um, you know, you you would have thought that the government is going to have to be careful with how it chooses to do this. They'd probably prefer to co-opt their so-called you know quote-unquote influencers than than go after you and potentially then you know upset your 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 followers right and so there's there, there's there's the trade-off there um on, on and, and we we have this debate a lot in in you know the tokyo citadel because and and, and I, I consider myself kind of in the middle here because yeah i am i am very i am privacy focused i'm not obsessed with it to the extent that it precludes all else and i actually think that my thesis is, yeah, privacy is very important. Having Bitcoin is important, but there's a third part of this, which a lot of people neglect. Okay, so you've got your Bitcoin. Congratulations. Only you know you have it. Congratulations. What are you going to do with the Bitcoin? Mm -hmm. And people don't ask that question enough because, um, you know, the exchanges will, you know, the on, off, on ramps will be, will be heavily regulated, closed down. You, what we're going to need is a circular economy. That's the answer for me. Okay, so we need, and there's, there's, an, there's a, um, something in the, in the states called the Beef Initiative. I don't know if you've heard of that. There's a guy called Texas Slim's kind of driving that, but it's this initiative where people are able to buy meat directly from their rancher, the local rancher, and actually be able to pay in sats to do that. And so for me, my vision out here in in Japan is that we get a similar kind of thing going. I've actually got um, a website out here, um, uh, TokyoCalf21.com, where it's just an experimental thing, but I put the site up there. It only accepts Bitcoin, but I'm selling things like honey steaks um coffee 
you know, just I just put some random things up there um, because I I feel like we we got to get this circular economy going. There's got to be you got to be able to get your hair cut in Bitcoin. You've got to be able to um, you know get food in Bitcoin. You've got to be able to to to, to buy a computer in Bitcoin, right? And and so um, that that is really where when my kind of where i see myself adding the most value going forward mm-hmm. um but there's a trade-off there as well right because um you know i haven't i haven't been overwhelmed by sales on the website let's put it that way <laughs> one of the reasons is probably that uh, you know I'm, i i am very privacy focused right so it's a leap of faith for someone to place an order on that site when they when they you know they, they maybe don't have the full confidence they know exactly who i am right so mm-hmm. so that's these are things we have to keep in mind and i, I feel like the citadel is going to be built um by it's a, it's a mix, right, of people, you know, maybe maybe privacy focused, but then maybe choose to reveal enough of themselves to, to gain that trust and then to to drive these kind of initiatives, which ultimately are what are, are what going to make this revolution work. Um, you know, and I, 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 I admire what you're doing. I mean, I'd, I'd like I, for, for myself, I would like to stay pseudonymous for as long as possible and um, and, 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 and and do what I can as, as a pseudonym. But there's limits to what I can do, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. even appearing here, camera off, right. It's, uh, it's, it's not as impactful as if, as if I had the camera on, but uh, yeah, it, well, that, a trade-off. that's the other thing. Like, um, I guess my, my stance on it is that someone needs to stand up and, and I mean, you know, if you look at, uh, Solzhenitsyn, if you look at George Orwell, if you read the kind of the, the, the background to all of this stuff around how totalitarianism, how fascism works, you realize that, it only works when everyone lies down and to stand up, you know, I've sort of accepted in my heart that it's like, yeah, there could come a time um, where just as we saw with COVID to a little, to, you know, to a little degree, uh, to, to a large extent, we could see a um, a future where, you know, people like myself actually get, you know, singled out and, and taken out of the bat type thing. And um, the important thing is that uh, before that happens, and this is Corey Klipstein's, you know, race to avoid the war. Before that happens, can we make sure that everyone and their dog has Bitcoin? Can we make sure that there's marketplaces and that it's so embedded in society, just like the internet, that it is a peaceful revolution? Because I think that's the optimism that I'm, um, I'm, I'm kind of looking for, and that I'm, I'm, I'm running with is that this can be peaceful and it can be like the internet and the governments just sort of. You know, they, they think they're in control and then one day they just sort of gracefully exit and it's, um, you know, they become as benign as a local city council where, you know, they can kind of fine you if you park in the wrong place and they can, you know, tell you, you know, things like that, what they what to not do, but they can't control your life like we saw with COVID. And, and I, I see a transition like that taking place where, uh, you know, we all just use it and, and it just is. And I think that's where if I can accelerate adoption and that circular economy and the knowledge of Bitcoin by being a public figure, uh, by having a, a podcast, by having conversations with everyone, you know, if I can do that quicker, then the government can um, activate their, um, you know, their, their their black book of of techniques in, in, the, in the distant future or perhaps the near future. I mean, it, it is a race. And if I can do that quicker along with everyone else, uh, we win. And if I don't step up and do that and we remain anonymous and on, you know, in the shadows, you know, not everyone can be in the shadows because then it's just an easy target and it becomes just, uh, you know, there's no one to stand up and have a voice. Um, and I mean, it's a, it's a way, a trade off for me, but I've accepted that and that's kind of what I need to do. Um, and hopefully it's, it's going to be all good, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> oh, that, I mean, that's a great point. And um, that this, this idea that for this revolution to succeed, 
we you know we can't just hide away right and and and, and your idea that and, and that if we can get as many people as possible to buy into the peaceful revolution and to own bitcoin and to have kind of skin in the game i guess if every if every politician if everyone's mum if everyone's you know co-workers have bitcoin yes. and then they come for it that that's going to be a different story but if it's, it's, just... it's, it's a lot harder right yeah. so i so i feel like ironically that's that's almost like i mean that that, that that's a a, def, a a strategy or that's a defense right that's a potential defense i mean one one is being private yeah that's great being kind of invisible right but the other is is actually being so integrated into society that it makes it difficult to, to yeah. attack you be like ze zebras man you know you can't or we, they know we're there but you just can't see them because everyone's doing it and i think that's what i think you know that the omniscience of the government i'm also like a little bit skeptical i think they have power as an organization but they're also can be incredibly short-sighted you know they're, they're just like gorilla in the room you know they don't they don't do complex things very well they do one thing and they 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 got they got one tool and it's, they got a hammer and everything they see is a nail and i think that's where i really trust um, people like yourself uh, matt odell you mentioned earlier people like this who are thinking extremely deeply even andreas and Tonopoulos, these these people in the bitcoin space who have got ideas which are very nuanced thought through logical the kind of concepts that a government simply cannot produce that kind of thinking because the people who work in government don't carry that kind of ideology or that kind of thought process. And so at scale, it just isn't, isn't there. And so I think we, we can run circles around them and they won't know what, what's hit them because we will hyper-Bitcoinize, their fear will melt away, but we'll have this other thing that we're already using, this other money, uh, this better money, and it's just going to work. So that's kind of my dream uh, for the future and it is i guess a bit of an optimistic take but i did want to talk to you dash just about cody you're firing yeah. me up here you're getting me bullish yeah well you know look, I, I just want to talk to you because i know as i said my, my impression just talking to a couple of you guys when i met the tokyo citadel group was you know man this is deep Duma Duma stuff and this is cool you know because i need to be exposed to this because yeah we can't blindly trust that the institutions are going to be all good and benign because obviously they're not um but if we can share the knowledge and the tools, and um, I mean, we've talked a few about a few of them today, but if you can begin that journey, basically you've now got a place to stand. And it's like we've nailed the the proclamation to the door. You know, Martin Luther, we've said, hey, look, we're not going to stand for this anymore. I've got a Bitcoin miner. I've got a node. I've got self-custody. I've got all of that stuff. I'm on my way. You're doing it. Other people are doing it. I'm going to get my mum on it. You know, my friends are doing it. My coworkers are doing it. We're all going to be on the system. And before we know it, uh, it's going to be smooth and it'll be just like the internet and um, life will be good. So that's kind of my optimistic take to kind of maybe lead off with. But um, yeah, man, I really appreciate I your so. thoughts. Yeah, no, I appreciate your thoughts. And look, if it gets tough, it gets tough. Um, well, I hope so. Um, I think, you know, it's like, you know, hope for the best, but prepare for the worst, right? So yes. I, I also would love, I'd love it, you know, if I could stay in Japan. I like being in Japan. Um, I don't want to move to El Salvador particularly. I'd, I'd love to go and visit. Uh, I don't really want to go and live there, um, but I think you know. Uh, listen, part of part of the, this, you know, preparation, getting yourself prepared, is what do they say? Like, if 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 you want peace, you should prepare for war. And I think that maybe talks a little bit to or, or, to what you were saying there. Is if we're prepared, if we're informed, if we have our you know our orange pilling our family, our friends, um, we're ready to move to somewhere like El Salvador if we need to then we have like a, a little bit of leverage there right over the overall local governments and maybe that would be enough then to to make them uh negotiate rather than just try and be authoritarian yeah and well, and, and yeah and that would be an, a, a positive outcome 
hey, I mean, look, man, they might even say, look, we, we want to chat to these people. You know, tell us what we, you know, we're, we're stuck. We need some help. Um, help us set up, you know, what, what's the consultancy look like for setting up the national, um, you know, the, the you know the government going to go from using their, their fiat bank account to, look, we really need to sort out what we're going to do with um, a Bitcoin wallet. How do we do multi-sig? How do we get ourselves sorted? Because that's where the, the international game theory plays out. Once one Western nation starts doing it, the rest are going to follow. Um, I, I have to push back on that. And, and it also, it, well, it comes back to, you, you raised an interesting point a little bit earlier where you said that um, you felt that with the, local New Zealand government, you know, it being, it being a small country, they were fairly approachable, accessible, I believe is the word you used, um, and, and, you know, reasonable. And so you didn't have too many concerns about the New Zealand government. I understand that sentiment. Um, on the other hand, you know, maybe I have a too cynical view of the world, but to me, it seems like we're living in kind of an American hegemony where the countries, the country I'm living in, in the country you're living in, the UK, Europe, they're kind of protectorates, you know, the vassal states of the of the US empire. And so unfortunately, where, whereas our local governments may be reasonably benign, I would argue the Japanese is, is, government is not benign, but but maybe in, in New Zealand, um, you know, unfortunately, I feel like the, the US, Washington has a veto on even domestic policy in, in very subtle ways. And so you know, it it isn't any any country that's kind of under that umbrella of of the American you know protection, should we call it? Um, you know, ultimately will fall in line with 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 Washington, and um, yeah. So that 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 would be my pushback. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. And I guess one other thing that's interesting to note, you know, New Zealand, you know, very small country. Uh, the Japanese embassy, for example, it's literally just like a, an office an office floor in a building here in Wellington, and you just walk in. Uh, the the U.S. embassy though is is nearby, and it is literally like a compound with Marines with M16s and like barbed wire and all of this stuff, at like big roadblock things. You know, like we're in Lebanon or something. Um, and it's like their standard model for an embassy. And I always thought that was interesting. Even the Chinese embassy, like you literally just walk in. There's like like a Kiwi security guard at the door, but it's not like they're running around with guns. And it's like only the American embassy have Marines on, stationed on site. You walk past it, yeah. it's like 20-foot barbed wire. And I was like, man, what, what are they trying to do? You know, And there must be back channels where they're talking yeah. Together. And, well, and, th- and this is the are we the bad guys meme moment, right? Because, yeah. you know, you look at the Chinese, for example, okay, so the, the big scary Chinese, right? The communists, the red, the red menace of, the, of, of our times. But um, then you're looking, okay, well, how many military bases do the Chinese have overseas? And they, they actually only have one. I looked into this. It's on the it's on the African coast, just just opposite the Arabian Peninsula. I forget the, the name of the, um, the, the the place, but they, they, they have one uh, military base. And the U.S. has, um, from memory, something like 250, 300, something like that. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, we, we're living in an in a, in American world, for, for better yeah. or worse. Yeah. Well, hey, look, Dash, um, that, that was really good. I really appreciate your your thoughts um, and, and kind of insight on this because I think, um, you know, this is something we do talk about here in New Zealand around privacy and, and non-KYC. And, I mean, everyone's on their own journey. I've gone through that journey myself um, as I learn more. And it's a spectrum, you know, there's no perfect. It just is, a, you know, going closer towards an ideal, I guess, Um but it's something we can all learn from. And I think being able to share basics, you know, I mean, I got my mum using Signal. Um, I chat with my brother on Telegram and those are not pure, purely, you know, they're not uh, completely safe. There are challenges and issues with those, but certainly it's going to be better than using good old Facebook. It's good, better than using plain old SMS, which we know are going, every message is going through the five eyes. Um, if, I, if I can get my mum to use Signal, 
um, then we can get them using Proton. We can get them using this other stuff. And as the UX gets better, uh, it may not be perfect, but it just it, it, it's a give and a take. And um, I, I think that's that, that's beautiful. And if we can work towards that and normalize that as well, importantly, um, it's not this, this weird thing. I think most people are not against just having another app that's actually secure instead of plain old text messages. Um, that, I mean, that's a win for me. And I think that's um, I look forward to more of that. 100% agreed. Yeah, I think, yeah. Um, orange pill, telegram pill, signal pill, um, your friends, your family. It's not that hard. As you say, there are trade-offs, but there's, there's good reasons for those trade-offs in many cases. Yeah. So um, yeah, that's um, that's something we should all be trying to do. Sweet. All right. Well, um, I'll um, I'll link people through to Tokyo Citadel. And the, what was that, um, your website? You mentioned Tokyo Cafe 21? Yeah, yeah tokyocafe21.com. So yeah. probably didn't pick the best uh, name because then you're like, okay, well... Get a coffee. Is it, is it, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I just, I just wanted to get something out there. It's an experiment, really, more than anything. I'm deliberately not making any profit on anything because I don't want to have to file taxes. And my understand, my naive understanding is, if I'm not making any profits, um, I, sh- I, I, I don't have to uh, file taxes. Uh, consult your CPA. Don't. Th- I'm not, not, not financial advice, not tax advice. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it is there. I'll, I'll send you the link. Um, yeah. But yeah, and, and, and it's and the shipping's uh, Japan only. So. You know, anyone who's in Japan who and I sell Amazon cards on there. So, for example, you can um, you can buy an Amazon card for Amazon Japan. Um, and the way I do that is they sell those in convenience stores out here. So I buy those for cash. And then if somebody pays me on the site, I'll send them through Telegram the you know the the, the voucher code. Yeah. So it's just, it's just it's just a way to help Bitcoiners to um, to get some sort of you know what what, what you want to call it liquidity or, or whatever in uh, in in Tokyo and Japan. So, so I did want to wrap this up, but you've actually just I, I don't know if you've got a moment to chat about that a little bit more, but um, sure, uh, you've just sparked an idea in my mind. So I just you know in Japan you've got like um, Mujirushi or like Daiso, you know these like yep. dollar stores for getting anything. Mm-hmm need what if i can imagine a concept for like developing a bitcoin only website for like daily necessities with the kind of user story or the use case in mind that well if if you had no other way to buy anything else you can only spend bitcoin what would you need to survive you know Mm. i'm thinking like bottled water you know ramen noodles these kinds of things like Mm. and having that as a concept that's maybe even like open source where anyone can spin an instance up in any country mm. and then bitcoiners could buy that those you know those items and effectively create it's like a um it's like an underground network like a mm. i don't know i just kind of roughing that's just hit me now but because you're talking <laughs> about a market but yeah yeah it's a great idea i think i so i and i i don't i haven't thought through this enough but my you know just conceptually i'm thinking nostra is probably going to end up being that um, because the, there are people who are trying to build marketplaces on top of Nostra. Yeah. Um, and so, and, and Nostra kind of natively integrates with Bitcoin and it's decentralized, as you know. And and so, yeah, I mean, that that, that would be, for me, I'm like, can you imagine if you could just, like you say, like I bought a bottle of water from this guy and I get steak from this guy and it's all just through Nostra and the government has no idea, well, there's, right? There's, yeah, well, there's peer-to-peer, but I, I mean, even thinking just like Bitcoin basics, because like at this point in time, it's still like, well, I can't live on Bitcoin only in New Zealand. I mean, I'd still need to go to the supermarkets. And man, I hate supermarkets here. We've got a duopoly mm-hmm. that just price gouged to the um, to the ceiling. But um, actually being able to do that, and I mean, I pay cash, which is kind of equivalent, but actually fully bypassing that system and just being like, well, what are your basics? What are the 50 things that are most important to every human? Mm. You know, I'd imagine that'd be just household basics. 
and then having the ability to do that uh, and whether it's peer to peer or or a single a single place but you know no identifiable information or however you do it as a concept i mean again we i literally just riffing on this but i could see something like that being extremely valuable um because i know in the uk even they've started doing the thing where you got like it was at the aldi supermarkets where you got to scan in to actually even enter right? and i think costco oh, like yeah. that already right where you, yeah. unless you remember you can't go in right mm-hmm. um and we haven't seen that here yet, but I almost during COVID because we had vaccine passports in this country and mm. supermarkets were one of the one of the few places where you didn't have to show your vaccine status to get into it. But imagine if that if they had, you know, like look, you can't go into this place unless you show your papers. As a, a bulwark against that, you know, to kind of push back against that, having you know Bitcoin Basics available for everyone, that's kind of like almost a humanitarian effort to have that available, so that no matter who you are, if you've got bitcoin you can you can survive you know you can still live um i don't know that's just an idea so that we could possibly leave the listeners with to think about but stuff like that i think that humanitarian side is going to be really important if things go down the negative route the dark way that we uh, mm. we're talking about here today or, or even if they don't right even if um everything's fine but people are still going to want to spend their bitcoin at some point and so um we need we need we need those options people need to and, and a lot of people may be listening to this thinking well i'm not a dev you know I, I i don't know how i can contribute to bitcoin but the fact is you know really we need people building businesses and building out the circular economy that's what's going to contribute to bitcoin more than more than anything maybe mm-hmm. um and so and and and, and the, the barrier to entry there is a lot lower and everybody has some kind of expertise right like maybe you're a graphic designer maybe you're um you, you know you 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 have an, an orchard right and you have apples it's like well great spin up a site sell those apples for, for sats um and you're, you're contributing greatly to the to the circular economy and the success of bitcoin yeah well that look man that is um it's a better place to end i think that's a real positive thing and a, a place to leave the listeners with but hey i appreciate your time dash and i look forward to yep. catching up again soon thank you very much perfect thank you sir all right Have see you later. Bye. bye thank you for listening i do hope you enjoyed the show i am cody allingham and that was the transformation of value if you'd like to get in touch please send me an email at hello at the transformation of value.com and i will get back to you